Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and in the gay space communist future. Okay, we are very excited to have uh, one of my favorite Twitter personalities um, on the podcast. You know him. You love him. He's a blockchain socialist. Uh, welcome, sir. Welcome to the to the pod. Thank you. I'm Again. glad you're. I'm glad you're liking my tweets. Oh, loving them. And I just we have to point out that this is our second attempt at this. We did a recording about a month ago that like failed uh part of Matt's uh audio like completely failed and so this is our this is our our makeup pod we had so much fun last time you you all missed out this we we had a conversation that the world will never hear it was a good one too and it was really good but we yeah. will we will endeavor well, we're back to... for round 2 socialism round two. boogaloo <laughs> um so i i wanted to sort of um start i had the, i was thinking about this so you you posted a really great piece yesterday um, about uh, uh, ostensibly what you were doing was you were you were uh, answering a Web three takedown, um, and I, I I read it with great interest because I've been extremely um, I don't know feisty I guess you could say as of late with yeah, the I agree with that with. With the with the the hate with the the hatred that's been then that's and the dismissal yeah. that's been pointed towards us. So I was just wondering if you want to like t talk start if that's like a place to start. Talk a little bit about what um, who you were who you were answering, what their critique was, and just a little bit about like you know where you were coming from with that. Um, yeah. So the the piece was a response to another piece that's uh, Paris Marx, who is the host of. Uh, the podcast Tech Won't Save Us, that he had written a critiquing Web3. Um, and uh, the thesis of that was basically that um, uh, decentralization is sort of like, n doesn't mean anything um, in terms of like, in terms of like getting to the, to the points that we want in terms of like a socialist politics. Um, but it, it, so he was basically critiquing like this tendency for people in the web three space to sort of like use decentralization, um, to like, as like a, as like a, something that'll fix everything over the Almost internet. like a magic, mm -hmm. like a magic word. Decentralization. Right. Therefore better. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Okay. So, that makes so, a lot so actually I, I pull up the quote. He said, his thesis is basically decentralizing the internet alone won't lift it above politics or save it from corporate co-optation. And so like my, mm -hmm. my response kind of to that was just basically that's yes, of course, that's kind of like, <laughs> that's kind of true. But the reason that's true is because decentralization is sort of like a hollow word. It's, it's a very generic word and doesn't, it doesn't explain, um, uh, like anything in its essence, like something is not inherently decentralized if you're not talking about anything within a particular context. Um, and so like, I agree that sort of decentralization is used as a word sort of like thrown everywhere as being like an objectively positive thing for the entire world by people in the mm -hmm. blockchain space. But like, um, I think there's a lot of 
really important nuance that I wanted to highlight on like what his analysis was because it, it's to, to me it felt just like um like yes of course of course that is true but like let's try to get somewhere that is like more useful and like more um yeah just just a bit deeper let's go let's go a bit deeper than like what mm -hmm. what we're doing because i think if you're critiquing this thing of decentralization it's it's a bit surface level so i i, I so know it's not a, it's not a critique of him as a person or anything like that i think he's probably a nice guy i don't really know him but um <laughs> i've listened to his podcast and he has a lot of really good content but i really disagreed with a lot of generally his takes on on web3 and blockchain and i think me as a as an insider a bit i mean i don't, I don't know how much of an insider i am but i like <laughs> actually use this stuff and i don't think he probably does um i tried to provide my own perspective on that one one uh framing that i thought was helpful and was was helpful for me in thinking about decentralization is your your broad point about decentralization that word devoid of any context around it yeah is meaningless like the and ver and that critique is is totally great like very often when you hear people in web3 using that word they are using it devoid of context but you provided some really interesting context that i hadn't thought about um uh, of splitting decentralization into like uh the technical side and the political side like there's the technical decentralization of um, of the internet of you know like like email mm -hmm. or just the way that the inter like these 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 base level protocols and how that's like a th that really is an ethos that's built into a lot of crypto and then and then that's different that's wholly separate from decentralization as a political idea uh they they in in crypto they can cross and you know we can but you can't but the point I think you were making was like it doesn't really do us any good to talk about decentralization unless we're talking specifically about this is what I mean. I'm talking about like this protocol or this is what I mean. I'm talking about this governance structure, that kind of thing. Yeah. So like people generally who are like technologists, sort of like apolitical technologists um, in the especially in the crypto space, especially in decentralized tech, they generally use it to mean like architectural decentralization in the sense that you're rather than having like a client server model you're using a peer-to-peer -peer type of model for as as an right. example um, but you can imagine like something that is architecturally decentralized can still be um, politically centralized you know if if mm -hmm. if the uh, NSA creates this large network of different computers that are all over the world connected to the internet to um, pull data so that they can track you and use that for for state surveillance or whatever then like clearly like okay there's architectural decentralization and if you just say oh the NSA is decentralized you'll be like no that's that's <laughs> like like no no they're not not really I mean it's a pretty like big centralizing force um, they're not very politically decentralized, which is, I think, um, the context that most, um, I guess, people on the left would generally, um, sort of when they think about decentralization, they're talking about political decentralization. But then, even then, I would still argue on the left, we don't really have a good framework for thinking about decentralization and how we use that word, because there's also a long history of like, you know, communists and anarchists uh, battling it out, getting mad at each other because um, the one is saying they're decentralized and one is calling the other one too centralized or whatever. And sometimes I feel like it's a bit, it's just like talking past each other a lot of the time. And what is super ironic is that um, Vitalik Buterin had written this 
piece about decentralization that actually was kind of that was like pretty interesting in terms of I mean he was using it he divided decentralization into three different parts but in in the context of of technology but um, I mean one of those contexts was political decentralization and so there is some sort of like relevance to you know, think about politics in general, of course, you can probably, you can probably even if you want to dive deeper into like more finer details specifically about things about politics and whether or not it's centralized or decentralized. Um, and so, um, yeah, this basically the entire point is that, um, yeah, we, we cannot say if we when we use decentralization, if you're talking from a technolo technologist point of view, of course, we're talking we usually about architectural decentralization, in which case, like, yes, it is silly. And it is like, not going to save the internet from from political co-optation because they're not really thinking about that to be honest and it's sort of like up to us oh, well at least you know people who are more politically inclined and want to to make that type of change to like create that type of influence or like to to present that to them um so that they are thinking about that they're not just thinking about architectural decentralization and also like thinking about um you know, decentralization and in, in, in many, in just in many different ways, because, um, you know, I, I would argue that socialism is, uh, in certain respects, more decentralized than capitalism in the sense that the, uh, the means of production should be decentralized and owned by yeah. many, many right. more people than like right. under what we have right now under capitalism, which is, you know, centralized around a particular group of people, which are called capitalists who own all, most of the capital, um, so, you know, I think if, if what would be interesting, I think, is if the left used that language of decentralization, uh, use the language of decentralization, um, but in the, in the context of what we want to portray, like, our um, arguments, it could be a somewhat powerful thing. Yeah, yeah. I think the distinction between the decentralization of a network and the decentralization of the like social power on top of that network is a really useful line to draw. I mean, the quintessential example of uh, building a centralizing force on top of a technically decentralized stack is, you know, the web and what we have today. Like the web is built on decentralized protocols for the most part, and um, that didn't save us. And so there's <laughs> something else at play here, um, which is like, yeah, we can rewrite it from the ground up and that's good and that's optimistic. But there is something else still at play here around political power and the centralization of that that soft power rather than the hard technical powers. Yeah. And when you encounter someone like Paris Marx, Mr. Marx, you know, uh, to, 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 to bring it back to my thing of feeling so spicy is that is that, you know, they he comes he comes at it from this angle of like just not having looked very deep. You know, he sort of looks at the surface of crypto, which, you know, we can say to the cows come home. Yeah, the surface of crypto is fucking shitty as fuck. Like, that's a perfectly valid response. Um, but if you just like have like a like a moment of curiosity and, and look at some of the things that people are building. Um, I know we talked about last time because I listened to your episode on your wonderful uh, podcast, The Blockchain Socialist. Find it wherever <laughs> you get your podcasts. You know, I listened to the episode about the about the ride sharing, you know, um, uh, crypto project, which which Matt has has actually used before in New York. And, um, you know, that is like genuinely like a really neat. And they are they, I mean, from what I was listening to on the podcast, like they're super decentralized, like in terms of how they work in these sort of federated 
things and like each city is its own you know contained unit and and you know um mm. Yeah. There, there's like, there are examples like this that exist of people mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. the political side of it, doing the actual, like, we're putting the means of production into the hands of the people. And if you just look for it, it's there. And then maybe you get excited. And then maybe more, you know, more people are going to come in and do more of that stuff in this space, which is what we desperately need. Yeah. I think yeah. I made a, this same joke the last time I recorded about the, um, God, I'm blanking on the name. The driver co-op in New York is they sent an email saying like, hey, we're having a uh, member, an owner's meeting or something like that. Um, and because of that, all, most of all the cars are going to be off the road because <laughs> the drivers are the owners and they're all going to be here at this time, <laughs> which is just which wonderful. Is like yeah. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. So I think I think. But yeah, no, 100 percent. Just, yeah, if you. Because the entire idea of, for example, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, was like um, the original idea or like one of the big examples in the very beginning of it was always like, what if we made Uber except without Uber in the middle, you know, without uh, without this centralizing (laughs) company? And basically, to a certain extent, they were describing a cooperative. Like a cooperative is basically... Uh, the taxi cooperative is basically Uber without Uber in the middle in the sense that, you know, it's sort of the ownership of it is decentralized. So the ownership is not centralized. And I think using like using the framework of centralization, decentralization could be a really, really interesting way for the left to um, begin to bring more people in because there are people, you know, they're going to, they come about politics in their own way and we do not get to choose the environments that we get to, um, you know, live in and get to, uh, uh, try to convince people all the time. So like just t- like being a, being a, a, a Marxist materialist means like acknowledging the conditions in which you're in and like sort of being able to, um, I don't want to say react, but like uh, adapt to that the particular particular conditions. Like just being aware of that, and so uh, you know, having just having a little bit more curiosity to think about, you know, w- what these potentials could be, I think would be really helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's still going to take just a while for people on the left to to really get into it and. I try to not use too much brain space to like uh, to get into many fights with these people. Sometimes it's like hard to resist, and you just have to do it like once or twice, just because a lot yeah. of people, presumably, a lot of engagement is being had while people are like yeah. in these type of I don't know, at least these like Twitter flame wars that I, I saw Absolutely. you were in uh, over Twitter as well. Oh my god! Yeah, um, <laughs> like I think you know a big part of. Like convincing people that you cannot expect to convince anyone in one conversation. You cannot expect yeah. to convince anyone over the internet, really. It's sort of like the, the I think a big, uh, what you should be keeping in mind is that like probably a, a thousand other people are reading through the thread and not commenting, but like are thinking about it. So all you can really do is like plant some seeds uh, and yeah. then like over time. Oh, that's it. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that framework of of thinking about a Twitter flame war is like you're like do it as though you're not trying to convince that person, but you're trying to convince all the people who aren't participating. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that that's how I like resist from being like, because there, there have been several times where I've like wanted to personally yeah. insult the person <laughs> yeah. just because I'm really pissed off yeah. and the internet yeah. and Twitter encourages <laughs> that. But yeah, 
I, Absolutely. I, I yeah. tend to like I try to I write it out and then I all right, I'll delete it and write something nicer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely more accepting, I guess, of it. <laughs> but it's hard. I will uh, admit it is hard sometimes. Oh, it's it's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> and it's it's that curiosity part that just gets me. It's just like I just want you just to look a little deeper, please. Yeah. You know? I've described it as just like uh you have to walk through like a wall of shit. Uh-huh. And you're going uh-huh. to be covered yeah. in, you're going to be covered in shit when you walk through this wall of shit. Um, yeah. and you just yeah. have to be like okay yeah. that you're going to be walking through a wall of shit to, to like yeah. before you find something that like maybe you're like oh wow that's interesting. And yes. then and then yeah. and then you know kind of where the shit is falling from and you can kind of avoid it a little bit. <laughs> that's what I kind of try to do. Um there was another interesting bit in your piece that that was very much related to this at the end which is the part that i like screenshotted and shared about um it had to do with like sort of vcs and vcs moving you know the speed at which venture capital is moving into the space and uh of course doing what venture capital does and the imperative of i think you know folks like us to i don't know counter that somehow you want to talk about that a little bit like that that that's something i i spent a lot of time thinking about is like it's like i you know a lot of a lot of my my buddies who are in the space people we've had on the pod like catalog you know who we love like they took they they took some venture capital our buddy matthew uh Matthew Chaim is with Song Camp. Like, they're taking some venture capital. And I don't know. I feel like you don't need to in the space. I think there's, like, other ways to do it. And, it, and I, I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't mm. do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It does feel like there are more ways to bootstrap these days, especially with the Web3 tool, tool chain. I don't know if the Web3 toolchain accounts for all of the ways. And certainly just like having someone hand you money uh, is really, really efficient. Um, <laughs> plus there's the whole like, you know, founders club type thing that is certainly at play. Um, it's not surprising that people will, you know, their networks. Um, but yeah, I think there are more and more, more and more tools uh, to avoid the need for VC funding. Um, whether that's crowdfunding or just like a protocol that bootstraps itself, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, go ahead. I'll just say Anderson Horowitz is breathing down yeah. everyone's neck. Like, yeah, you making a <laughs> yeah. token? You making a token? <laughs> Here's some. Uh, you want a million bucks yeah. over here? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the people that I've talked to about it are like, you know, there are VCs now in the space who are sort of crypto native VCs and who maybe are more aligned but i don't know maybe my and maybe my feeling is misplaced but my general feeling is that like and i'd be curious what you think about this my general feeling is like you know once you accept that money there's all of this there's all of this stuff tied to that now like you you you, there's all these expectations um you know whereas and there are expectations if you raise from a community too if you if you go there's 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 different expectations but we've seen over and over and over again, like what VCs do to companies, you know, and how it, how, what it does. I just think that's where my, that's where my, my, my passion for this. Yeah. Valid hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I, I, that, 
totally agree. I mean, uh, I think of it also as well, like, yes, there are, like, there's always going to be a responsibility when, when someone, when people give you money, right? And that's not, not to say that, like, oh, if you accept from uh, more, you know, if, if you do a crowdfunding thing rather than, like, a, a I don't know, a VC, uh, like, raising capital through VC, then, like, it, it's obviously going to be different. It's potentially going to be more difficult, but like, look, if you look at just as an example, like the differences between, you know, if, you, if you're American, like the, the, the campaign run by Bernie Sanders versus the campaign run by basically everyone else, mm-hmm. like there's a profound difference in what he was able to do and what everyone else was able to do and say during, during this, you know, the, the, the Democratic primary. Um, and so like that should be seen as like kind of similarly, like uh, I would argue that Bernie was able to basically support uh, the policies that the most people actually wanted versus like everyone else. Because if you accept, you know, a bunch of money from oil and gas company XYZ, then like, you know, or whatever, you, you, you can't, yeah. you can't, um, you can't, uh, ex- you, you at least cannot pass uh, legislation that's going to go against their interests because there, there's an expectation and you are now dependent on their money because you cannot afterwards switch and be like, okay, I know before I accepted money from all these big corporations, but n- now I'm going to like look to, you know, the average person. Can you send me some, you know, 20 bucks or whatever it is? Like that's not, you've, you've lost people's trust at that point um, yeah. already. And that's just like, you know, yeah, the, I mean, I, I'm a socialist, so like, you know, I'm pretty against venture capital for, for the most part in general, and I'm more interested in cooperatives and just like alternative versions of of ownership and ownership of, of organizations. So like, I, I can understand why it's it's very easy to ask one person for money than it is to ask like everyone for money. <laughs> um, but it comes at a cost and like, that cost you should know about if you are more progressively minded, I guess, like what you're sort of getting into. Um, but like that's, that is, that is a really, really big issue. And I don't think, I think a lot of people on the left will, they will see that and they will yeah. say that that is why there's all this venture capital. Um, blockchain is useless now. Like they, right. we can't do, it's been, it's been, you know, co-opted. It's been co-opted. It's fully co-opted, and now yeah. it's too late. If there if there ever was anything, then like it's too late now, so we shouldn't do it. You know, we should stay away from it. But I think that's more of a reflection. One one is a reflection of the current state of like the economy that like venture capital has like they are very very strongly incentivized to go into just um, any sort of the 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 latest thing. They have to like, have, is, yeah. have, have money into it um, because, I mean, largely things are unmoored from reality in terms of investments. Like the, <laughs> people are no longer like they're not the, venture capital doesn't play. They don't even play capitalism. They pay, they play meta capitalism. Like it's 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 about like which is basically what we basically speculation to, to a certain extent. Right. And that's that's how they're winning the game. They're playing the meta game. They're not playing the game. Um, while everyone else is forced to play the game and like work a job, um, and like, I, I when you just said that, I thought about Monopoly because I've been playing <laughs> my my boy loves playing Monopoly for some reason, and I was thinking about 
like what venture capital monopoly would look like. It's like you are like betting on the players, you know, it's like you or something. I don't know what it would be, but that's that's funny. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like um, I, th I think it's more of a reflection than the second part is that uh, it is like a field of political struggle. Like, I think we could have seen, like, just, like, I know older people who are part of, like, very radical communist organizations in the 80s and 90s, and they were like, our leadership were telling us during that time that the internet was, like, this American invention, yeah. that uh, some, some bourgeois toy that we should all stay away from and don't touch, you know, stay away from the internet in the 80s and 90s. Wow, yeah. And, like... You know, then then the left sort of like failed at having very much influence over the uh, development of the internet, and now it's totally expected that you have yeah. a social media account. It's like, yeah. you know, and and the social media companies are all like venture capital funded, Silicon Valley, like, and we are all on these the same uh, venture capital funded Silicon Valley big tech social media companies where we are all arguing with one another increasing the engagement of their sites, <laughs> helping them create even better advertising products for, so that they can sell to um, their clients, their actual uh, customers. Um, and we, we're just like, we're just giving it to them freely without any sort of, any sort of alternative. And, and, how, and, and it's like, and I think about this all the time, it's like how much of that really is literally just, and even now, when when they say to stay away from crypto, I mean your obvious point is like they're, they're saying the same thing about about blockchain. They're stay away from it. It's bourgeois capitalist bullshit. You know how much of that is just like fucking uh, a lack of imagination. Where yeah. where it's like if you just use like if you just use a little, you could imagine a web that was dominated by leftist politics that could have turned out completely differently. That could have been quite a different web than what we have i mean certainly much of it started with you know there was a lot of people in the very very beginning i don't know who 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 had these like wild leftist politics no, um, open source uh people i mean i think a lot of them tried to be apolitical but like if they were pushed if they had the influence i think yeah if there was some sort of like actually um strong left-wing institutions then maybe they would have been a part of those institutions and, and it would have turned out like a little bit differently. But there was nothing. There was literally nothing. It was just like a couple of the nerdy computer science geeks that like happened to be there at the, you know, the creation of the internet. So they had some influence in their personal position in which they were able to exert some amount of influence because they were like, and they just, just so happened to be decent people. And that's like to expect just someone to be a decent person is like not yeah. enough. No, it's not, not a good it's not a good rubric for moving through these large tectonic shifts. Yeah. Were there any um, other points from your, your essay, I guess in general, um, like things that are really optimistic for you around uh, blockchain and socialism and like, maybe it's distributed cooperatives. Maybe it's uh, how money can be programmed. Like what, what is, what is like, what is the optimistic, like, this is incredible that you would share with someone? Um, I mean, kind of what you said, like quite a few of those things um, as well. I mean, the most, for me, uh, interesting thing is like um, how the DAO space sort of developed to like, 
you have to imagine like the DAOs, like where the idea of a DAO came from, came from an actually quite libertarian point of view in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It came from like a DAO used to be called a, a distributed autonomous corporation. So they were really right. thinking about like specifically corporations. They were probably thinking about like, oh, if I just implemented the smart contracts of this uh, of this DAC, they called it before, then I would be making free money. You know, I would just be like, it would be the <laughs> ultimate, the ultimate position of capitalist power where you literally do nothing and you just automated <laughs> people use it and you make money. Right. That's, that's the, the point that it came from, but it was like a very poor understanding of even what they, of what they were building, of what they wanted. And so like, you know, they 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 would describe you know what if we had uber but without the uber company in the middle we just use smart contracts to sort of facilitate that and like by and large like what they were describing in a roundabout way and was basically a cooperative you know they they were they were talking they were basically describing a cooperative in which you know there is no a taxi cooperative where there is no uber in the middle there is basically the the ride the the drivers who own the network who own all of this and that's a cooperative that's also like you can you can argue that that is a form of like workers owning the means of production and this is this is coming from like right-wing libertarians you know it's 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 <laughs> we live in a fucking weird place like i don't know what to tell you like i'm sorry like the, the idea didn't come from like your favorite communist but like um you know if, if you look into it a bit deeply that there's like something kind of like interesting about that um and so like now we've seen that in the past like year or two where DAOs have actually come a bit more to fruition where all of these people are interested in cooperatives um and then afterwards they because they because they realize cooperatives and DAOs have some similar issues because why they're interested in DAOs is because they're actually interested in ownership they're actually interested in like mm -hmm. decentralizing the most centralized aspect of their life which is their job which is like they're working probably usually i mean a lot of these people come from like big tech companies in which google yep. or mark zuckerberg owns the company and they know that and they're very aware of that even though they're very well paid they don't like it they feel like it's immoral and they come to DAOs they cooperatives look like really interesting oh it actually sounds a lot like socialism they realize and now they're like oh we're our dao socialist and so like uh you know <laughs> it is very interesting that they've come all all the way around to this point without i mean really very little influence from any socialist probably right mm -hmm. you know they they may have been bernie sanders voters or something like that but like sure, sure. other than that they were not they were not pressed into into this position and people people the fact that they are people are asking me you know about uh, <laughs> socialism who are like you know presumably supposed to be far right uh, libertarians is like that's weird you know that 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 is not something that if they really were all these far right libertarians as some people paint them out to be and like they would not be asking that i've been online long enough and argued with enough right-wing libertarians <laughs> on forums to know that they do not give a shit like what or they will never open up to like what what i'm saying to them in an online space so like the fact but, that that's happening yeah, naturally it's like, is crazy. but you yeah you give them a taste you know it's like people get a taste of what it could be uh yeah. interestingly matt you are some such person now i mean as of i don't know how long this has been going on i guess but like you know last like three or four months you are literally working for a dow like that that's what oh, yeah. you're doing 
Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's nice. Um, I was, I actually had a follow-up question right now. I'm in this weird space where I'm, um, optimistic for DAOs in general, but very, um, <laughs> uh, not pessimistic, but very burnt out on DAOs currently, which is maybe how I understand now how Web3 skeptics feel. Um, mm. And the question that I'm asking myself, and I'd love to hear from uh, your thoughts on this as well, is I feel optimistic for DAOs in the long long term because of all the reasons that we discussed and being able to like program certain interactions and having literal true digital co-ownership of a thing. Um, but the implementation of these things right now feel like, um, like 3000 years ago, they feel like direct democracy. They feel like liquid democracy. They feel like very, um, poor representative democracies. They feel like, uh, constitutional monarchies. They feel like very, um, like they haven't solved any core problems and we're speed running the last 5,000 years of governance. And like the, the technological optimism that I feel has not, uh, is not backing up the like political and, uh, human interaction collaboration, um, side of things. And I'm interested to see your thoughts on that specifically around like one organizing people in general, minus the blockchain and then adding the blockchain. How does that help or hinder? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say that, um, like, the vast majority of people are used to working under a, tr like, traditional corporate hierarchy or just, like, a normal a normal business in which a capitalist owns it, in which largely people are very alienated, actually, from, like, from their work. Like, work is uh, a very alienating thing, mm, including even in between co-workers, and it's only, like... I mean, maybe like after work, you guys would grab a drink and then you get to know each other. But you don't really get to know each other like through work all the time necessarily. It really depends. I mean, and if you do, that's a bit of the like um, that goes against like capitalist logic, like to be friends with your coworkers mm -hmm. under like the logic of homo economicus is like, you know, we're all just like sovereign individuals in which we're all looking for our own self-interest in which like case we we really would not care about like the what our coworker really wants or cares, but we kind of do because, like as human beings, like Homo economicus is really not our our like natural state of of, of being. But so like I think we have like a really really long, like maybe I mean maybe even say like we have a bit of a trauma maybe like after living under capitalism for for so long and then like our entire lives if if you have a working life you're very likely to have worked almost only purely for corporations like you don't know very well you don't have much experience with um cooperating with people in a way that is uh that facilitates like co-ownership so like i think we've we bit don't have like i don't know if like social skills is the right term but like we don't have like yeah, the skills no. to know how mm -hmm, to like mm -hmm. To, yeah, to we don't know what it feels that. like. Yeah, it's a new feeling. Twenty percent, and even like I've been a part of a few co-working, uh, co-living spaces, and a bunch of different like things along that spectrum. And even now, I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I know quite well what it feels like to be part of a cooperative um, in the way that like um, we're envisioning here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually kind of interesting. And so, yeah, one of the things that I've found with DAOs is that we haven't solved the core like cooperative problem um or solved is a strong word but it doesn't feel like it's gotten better 
there there isn't yet a framework for for like like an easy framework that someone can just like pull out and be like okay let's just be like this way this works for all the other ones Hmm. um whereas i mean the cooperative space like there's a reason partially why it has been like slower growing it is like slightly more difficult thing to do under capitalism Mm -hmm. because everything is so like like based on the logic of capitalism whereas like i think cooperatives are on more of the i mean it's a bit of a spectrum but it's more on the basis of like solidarity and more on the basis of Mm -hmm. just like um connecting with with people that you are you are working with Mm -hmm. um so like I think DAOs yeah. still need to I think that I think I mean the reason why a lot of these DAO people are interested in cooperatives is because they realize they have the same problems. So mm-hmm. they're they're looking to them to see like, mm-hmm. okay, how, how have they solved this problem? What is this sociocracy thing and like all this other stuff yes. that, that they've been Yo, trying to like, look into? About it? to read a sociocracy book or read a sociocracy <laughs> book right after this. What is sociocracy? <laughs> Give us the rundown. Um well I mean uh, the blockchain socialist would certainly be better <laughs> to answer that. <laughs> I mean I'm not I'm not the uh, uh, an expert I'll give, I'll give what I understand it is. I understand it as radical squad duocracy, um, which is like um, consensus over, or, or consent over consensus, where it's just yeah. like, do the thing. If someone vetoes it, great, talk about it. Otherwise, just do the thing, like chaotic doing. Um, it, it, at least that's what I was like, hey, I want this. And someone was, was like, you want sociocracy. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. And then there's these, like, these autonomous pods and everything. Yeah, you you go for it. No, yeah, I think I think the assumption is that um, you know cooperatives—they're very inefficient because everyone has to vote on every single decision ever mm-hmm. being made, and oh, if if, if not, uh, if, you know, everyone or fifty percent uh, of people don't agree, then like it causes this like huge why it's super majority, slow, and that's why it's like it's you know yeah. slower than a startup, and that's like the it's just inefficient for the it market. It really is. DAOs are so hilariously inefficient right now. Um, and I, I only have, you know, my case to bring up, but it's like, if this were a startup, I would just be able to do the thing, but because this is a DAO and there are 5,000, like, you know, if we're going to use the language of this, it's like 5,000 board members or 5,000, like, uh, shareholders, they all have to have their voice heard. And there has to be this proposal period and this da da da. And it's like, you can't just do the thing anymore. Mm. And I'm like no. the, the alpha of DAOs, the 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 reason that they would be better than a firm is because you can empower people to just do the thing that is good for the entity. Assume that someone wants to benefit the collective, let them do that thing. Mm-hmm. And it seems really sad to me, almost tragic, that we've defaulted to this like everybody votes on everything model. Um, because the irony, the great irony, is that cool, you can have thousands of people in your DAO. Um, but they're, none of them are empowered to do anything. Yeah, there is some quote, uh, I cannot remember by who it was, but it was something like, you know, so, socialism won't work because it takes up too many meeting, too many like evenings like, for, <laughs> yeah, for all the meetings. That's pretty stuff. funny. Yeah, too many meetings, yeah. I think that's sort of like the, the impression is that the only way that, that democracy is actually an impediment to like progress in in some way and i, I think mean, that's why at odds in in a in a spectrumy kind of way right in a d- dilemma kind of way i think that's what people think i don't think that necessarily has to be the case right I, mm-hmm. like sociocracy is like very commonly implemented type of system and different cooperatives that 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 function just fine there are like uh, some cooperatives who are very very large i think 
I think that there are these things that look very easy to to look at and like assume. Like it, it feels like it would be an impediment, and I, you know, from a, like mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at it on the surface, from a surface, it, it feels yeah. like that that would that would be the problem. Oh yeah, of course. Because right. I've tried coordinating, like you know, going out with my friends, and like it's impossible to do it. I know it's a right, right, I right. can never pick the same bar or whatever. <laughs> but like, uh, there are like. Uh, like when you actually do it and you like you I think if you uh, dedicate yourself to wanting to do it and like that's your goal then you find ways to do it um, and one of these ways is of course like sociocracy as one of like encouraging people to to go after it without needing like everybody's consent because I mean yeah it's, it, it, it isn't like a necessarily uh, practical thing everybody just doesn't have the brain space to like think about every right. single proposal or whatever nor do they want to and so yeah. i think it's a part of this process of just figuring out what works and what doesn't work and i mean there is the added yeah. um difficulty slash benefits depending on what your mm. the context of like the internet and you know using blockchains of course um that add an, another element whereas like most at least traditional corporation or uh, cooperatives are you know sort of like in person type of thing mm-hmm, where they're mm-hmm. all and where, mm-hmm. where it is it is less alienating to meet up in person than it is like very much to look totally. at an avatar yeah. on twitter you know yeah yeah no there's definitely the spectrum between like um agility and consensus and um the core idea of sociocracy that appeals to me and i have yet to read the book so you know disclaimer <laughs> um is that it's consent over consensus and that puts it on the spectrum such that, you know, you get agility without sacrificing too much of the bureaucracy. Everyone's on the same page vibe. Um, and, and, you know, obviously with all things in this world, balance is the answer. Um, and it seems like that, that balance is what I'm looking for. I think that's because this... of like a high degree of trust between the people. Oh yeah. That, that that's what helps mm. facilitate, which is another thing that like people assume that like, I think a lot of people who are critical of blockchain look at the descriptions of blockchain too much at face value. Like, like, oh, a trustless yeah. system. Trustless. I don't, I don't, I don't. Fuck like, that, that's not what we should yeah, want. Fuck we should trustless. want yes. solidarity. Yeah. Is what we that means. I need to trust everyone. Yeah. Right? We need more trust in society. Yeah. Which, okay, I agree with. Yes, but more you're trust. Looking, you're Scale looking, trust. You're looking at the uh, surface level. Uh, description, right. which is based on a surface level libertarian right-wing analysis yes. of all of this yeah. whole thing. So, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you're believing. Why are you believing the right-wing libertarian um, right conclusion, yes. which is based off of their shitty analysis? Like, shitty. Right, right, right. Yeah. Do your yeah. own. Like, Come you on. can use this technology to increase trust, or like start a squad with people that you love, and then. The trustless part is like the money moving around, which, you know, that we want to be trustless. We don't want to trust Bank of America to move the money for our co-op, right? Like, but I would love, I want to live in the world in which I trust more people and specifically the world in which I cooperate with people I trust. Like that is like, you can, and I've said this line for years now, but you can like cast away hilarious, just overwhelming amounts of technical complexity by trusting someone a little bit, the ratio of trust to like the amount of work you have to do to remove the necessity of that trust is insane, truly insane. And at some point it's worth it, right? Like moving money around, 
owning digital objects. Like that's worth it. Um, I don't know, like other things, it doesn't make that that much sense to me. I'd rather just trust someone. Shout out. Uh, I was listening to our very first episode the other day oh, nice. for reasons, and you said that exact same line in our very first episode. That's <laughs> really? Wow. Bookended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bring it back around. Um, <laughs> I wanted to, Blockchain Socialist, I want to bring us, uh, this, this I think ties into something I, I want to make sure that we brought back from our failed episode, which is... Um, which is your your trajectory coming into crypto specifically through thinking about the 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 experiment that you told us about in Chile um and this 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 completely different model of governance uh and trust and um things if you want to talk about that at all cuz I did watch the that documentary that you um pointed out on on YouTube what a fucking fascinating thing so you um if you want to give us like so if I recall right, like you had been thinking about that experiment and then and then is it, and then you came across crypto and it kind of like the things c- converged, if, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. So uh, when I was getting into cryptocurrency, um, like I was at the same time sort of uh, radicalizing quite quickly in terms of my politics, at, just kind of coincidentally. And one of the things that I was really interested in was the project Cybersyn in Chile. So this Cybersyn. was um, so in the sometime in the 1970s. I'm not forgetting exactly. Um, Chile voted in a democratic socialist as their president um, through democratic mandate. Went through all of the the democratic steps to become president. He was uh, very very hated. Uh, by the American establishment because he wanted to democratize and and nationalize a lot of the natural resources of the country Um, and, of course, like, wanted to pass a bunch of, like, social democratic reforms for the country. Um, And so, but, like, in that experiment of of him being, being president, he wanted to experiment with sort of, like, finding Chile's own, like, path towards socialism. So in the sense that they were not, like... Uh, they were not trying to follow the Soviet model, which anyways they could not because it was specific to Russia and the, the Soviet Union. And it was like they, they came about in a very, very different context and in a very, very different way than Salvador Allende did. Salvador Allende was voted in, the Soviet Union had a revolution. Um, but so they had like this democratic mandate in which they wanted to figure out how to, um, I don't want to say, they wanted to create basically a, a decentralized um, planned economy, if that makes sense. So uh, while uh, the Soviet Union had a more like... Um, they Which had a more is wild, because, because if you talk to anybody, right, their first thing about communism is, oh, it's all centralized, you know, and then, and then you're like, but wait, yeah. does it have to be? Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so like, uh, and this is actually a big point in my piece to, to Paris Marx, to be honest, because... He actually had he had he had this woman um, Eden Medina on who uh, wrote this uh, book called Cybernetic Revolutionaries I believe that talked about the history of Cybersyn and they actually had a very very interesting uh, conversation and, and, and interview um, but he argued like in his piece that um, decentralization isn't enough uh, Cybersyn is a very good example or is, is like one of the examples of like a socialist experiment when it comes to like technology and uh, but. If you look at the way that Cybersyn is described, it is described as a decentralized 
um, like form of economic planning. Um, so I, th I found it like very just like kind of silly why he would bring up that uh, that example whenever in in the summary of the woman's book she described it as decentralized. It was kind of strange. But anyways, um, yeah, like the the point. The, unfortunately, they he only lasted about three years in his office um, pursuing Project Cybersyn because um, they had a, a military coup in which the uh, now infamous uh, dictator of Chile um, was a general, bombed the White House of Chile with the support of the American government. And so Salvador Allende had killed himself before he was, uh, before they reached him. Uh, and then like the, the country fell under like a dictatorship for like 30, 40 years in which they, it was basically like a sandbox for new liberal policy um, which were like basically, you know, neoliberal economists looked at Chile as like, oh, this was a neoliberal policy like implemented here. This is like the evidence that it's that it's good, even though it was like pretty shitty for like the average person. And now let's implement this like everywhere else in the world. or Let's yeah. try to. So these are called the Chicago boys. It's um, very depressing. It is very depressing. But, but tell us, tell us uh, the, the Cybersyn is just fascinating. Like, get, get, give us a little bit about like about about how it was supposed to work and like how wh what the idea behind it was so with cybersyn they were supposed to um it was supposed to they basically like it's a cybersyn because it's very like influenced by cybernetics um because one of one of the like main consultants uh of cybersyn was this guy named stafford beer who was like this british guy who was like super actually um, kind of corporate in the sense that. Uh, he worked for a lot of corporations providing like cybernetic consulting on how they can improve their supply chains. But he was actually like a huge hippie. Like if you look at him, he looks like a, a huge hippie. He's a huge beard. Huge hippie. Yeah. Um, so he was like, whenever some, uh, the minister of economics, I believe it was, reached out to him and asked him if he would help with uh, developing uh, Chile and Cybersyn, uh, he like happily agreed because he was like, I mean, he loved, I think he just loved the idea that some like giant country wanted to look at his ideas because most of his ideas that he had written about actually were more like progressive leaning. He just like worked for corporations because that's what paid, paid him money. Um, and so he like helped them develop Cybersyn in which they used a lot of the uh, available technology in Chile so they didn't they were not like super advanced technology because Chile didn't have access to the most advanced computers um, that were like all basically in the US but they used what they had uh, available to them and like he created these like very elaborate cybernetic systems in which like workers could sort of provide feedback directly to like the 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 command center of of cybersense there's like a famous picture of like this um swivel chair that like has kind of like star trekky looking buttons so star trekky uh, it's on the it, chair. you have to see it it's amazing yeah yeah and so like um uh yeah it, it was a really interesting project and they were able to use it a, a couple of times like in like test it out one one big experiment they had was whenever Basically, uh, I can't remember. Salvador Allende had passed something about um, uh, either hiring taxes or tariffs or something like that on something. But it, it angered a lot of the uh, trucking companies, uh, at least the owners of the trucking companies uh, in Chile who like shipped stuff. And so they were basically, it's also reported that probably the U.S. also instigated a lot of love, like the right wing of Chile was like, instigating these people to like um to start a strike 
the thing is the the like usually when you think of a strike you think like the workers are going to stop working but really it was like the the owners of the companies of these um trucking companies <laughs> like tried to stop working like prevent their workers from working so that they could like bring the country to a halt um in like getting goods around um but they use they use cybersyn as as a way to um sort of be able to get feedback from certain parts of the country in and like make like very critical decisions very quickly mm. um through like this like democratic or like decentralized form of like planning um which like was meant to acknowledge like it was meant to acknowledge like the the considerations of the workers who would like provide feedback to 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 the command center um which is like slightly it was a, a slightly different model than like what the soviets were pursuing in in their country um but then yeah it only lasted about three years because of the the military coup but it's it is like a fascinating thing to think about what if cybersyn had still existed what yeah. if like there was no coup you know like would they have been able to um pull it off and like you know if if, if the u.s wasn't like such like a, a warmongering country would they have been able to um to pull it off and so like it, it was this idea of like decentralized work worker management decentralized planning that made me think like you know blockchain is like a pretty interesting platform for being able to facilitate something very very similar um as cybersyn um and so that that was like one of the things that like kept me kept kept me around to like continue reading about it and continue researching even though like again there's a wall of shit the shit was falling on you <laughs> and you're like cybersyn blockchain <laughs> uh, it's my guiding light yeah yeah totally um, so I think it was just being able to recognize that there were certain similarities and certain implications that, uh, I don't know, I guess I was just like curious enough to be able to, to go through it, but I don't know. I mean, I'm maybe I'm more used to going through, uh, well, I don't know how this, how, how well this is going to sound in a podcast, but like, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm like, okay, going through right wing spaces, you know, like I don't, oh, yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not someone to just like be so disgusted to like, be like, you know, to outright reject uh, something because something is like very right wing. I, you know, I grew up in a very right wing place. It was like pretty all around me when I was growing up. So, I mean, it's not like I could, you know, it's something that, uh, I know how to handle. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know if that's why, but like I was able to push through it and like it was, uh, I survived and like I learned about it and, uh, I was able to make my own connections and I was kind of frustrated that, well, just like wondering, am I crazy? Am I the only one making these connections? And so I just, I, that's when I started my platform and like just started putting my, my thoughts out and I did it, uh, you know, once a week, publish something. I just made that as a goal of mine and I continued with it and uh, it's worked out so far. <laughs> well, I, I highly recommend, we're coming up to the end here. I highly recommend to follow Blockchain Socialist on Twitter. Um, and uh and also listen to your wonderful podcast as well and um support you. you on patreon uh yes. although we uh next uh on wednesday we're talking to austin Ro uh roby robbie um from nice ampled very cool guy so you gotta you gotta move you gotta move yourself over to ampled this is very important <laughs> you're on as ampled no I am. I, I moved it. I moved everything. Yeah. I, I, I wrote, I mean, I only had like, I had like 56 people on Patreon and I like wrote to each of them. And I said, I said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving Patreon. 
<laughs> and I'm going to Ampled. Um, and most people, wow. you know, most people came. So highly recommend. That's pretty it. cool. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, really, I yeah. wanted, I, I like Patreon. Okay. I, the, yeah. I, it's, it, it, it is, I use it because it is sort of like the expected. Yes. You know, people, people just know have it. what you Patreon know. is. Yeah. Yeah, and every single basically like left wing online person has one. Yeah. So I'm just like, all right, fuck yeah. it, I'll make a Patreon or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like the you know there is like the example camaraderie is like a trying to be this cooperative alternative to Patreon, mm-hmm. but like apparently they fucking hate crypto, so they like they like absolutely refuse to. They made it like a very big point that they you know no NFTs, no crypto. All right. Um, <laughs> so it's like, all right, fuck you, uh, whatever, dude. That's why we're going with Ampled, man. I've, I, I, <laughs> I, I have on my wall. I have my Ampled uh, ownership uh, thing because I'm so proud that I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a owner of Ampled. Nice. It's uh, super fun. Uh, blockchain socialist. You can find him on Twitter at is it the blockchain socialist on Twitter? Uh, yeah. My the handle is TB socialist. That's right, TB socialist on Twitter. You could find Matt at one of the many Matts on Twitter. You can find me at Song of Day Man. Blockchain Socialist, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, I think this episode is going to actually work. So we'll, we'll, uh, we enjoyed talking to you again. Exciting I times. I, I think we, I think we nailed it. I think we, I think we, I think we did, I think we did the previous lost episode justice. Let's just put it that way. I think we did a good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope so. It was a And pleasure. if not, round three, I'm ready yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be yeah. super tight. We'll cover it all. We know cover exactly what notes to hit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on. Matt, you want to take us out? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, don't forget, everybody. Uh, Rick and Morty may be over, but that doesn't mean you can't get nifty. Get nifty. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Oh, yeah.